The Capital Weekly Podcast is supported by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Funding for the Capital Weekly Podcast is provided by the California Endowment and by TASSEN, the Tribal Alliance of Sovereign Indian Nations. Uh, greetings and welcome to the Capital Weekly Podcast. I'm John Howard. I'm joined by Tim Foster. Hello. And our special guest is Mindy Romero of the California Civic Engagement Project in your lavish new, palatial new offices at USC. Uh, before you were UC Davis, now you're at UC, USC and you've yes. been here on the Saul Price School like about a month, more or less. Yes. So how do you like it? I love it. It's been a really great transition. It's. A, it's I knew that it would be a... A good move for us, yeah. um, but it's been a nice surprise in terms of the people here have just been really fantastic and really welcoming and um, a really wonderful culture yeah. as well. So yeah, We actually great. have pretty good connections here, sort of. <laughs> Alex Matthews, <laughs> our former intern, we just ran over her as she was in her office doing some work, so we badgered her. And then other people that work here, we've dealt with in other, other projects over the years. Oh, you know. You're an expert in California politics, Latino politics, civic engagement, obviously, hence the title. So here we are, uh, what, three weeks after the primary, almost a month after the primary. Yes. Do you have any takeaways you can share with us about that uh, in terms of turnout? Maybe, if, I understand, final numbers just came in. Uh, or anything else that just strikes you right now? Hmm. Well, the big takeaway, um, the big question going into the primary was just what turnout was going to look like. And we saw some good numbers. Mm-hmm. So from the official uh, Secretary of State, right, mm-hmm. um, uh, report uh, that's issued, um, we saw really the highest turnout we've seen in a midterm primary in you know, since 1998. Hmm. Um, now that sounds really good, but the numbers are still low. So you know, 37 percent registered turnout, 28 percent or so um, eligible voter turnout. That's turnout of um, citizens, right? That are adults. Those are p- pretty low numbers, but they're good for. Uh, what we can typically see, uh, and they're much better than what we saw in 2014, which mm-hmm. was a record low turnout rate, mm-hmm. as I know you both know. So Now, how does this compare, I don't know if you know this, but how does this compare to other states? Is our turnout low even for other states, or is it low for more international? Well, I can't say specific to this primary, but generally speaking, California, yes, does have uh, consistently much lower turnout rate than other states in the national average. And we, probably most elections fall into the bottom quarter, uh, sometimes wow. the bottom twenty percent of of for turnout of all states. Got it. Uh, so, and that's a, a pattern and a trend that's you know difficult to break. Yeah. Let's put it that way. But Latino turnout, I understand, was at least in the Los Angeles area, was pretty good. Um, I saw some numbers. Now these were dated like June. These figures were published, I think, early June, mm-hmm. maybe June twelfth, thirteenth, in there, and. Uh, they, they looked at uh, precincts in Los Angeles County, and they identified high Latino precincts and low Latino precincts based on a percentage. They said high Latino precincts would be 75% or more with Latinos. I think they had 350 of those or something. And then they had uh, low Latino precincts. Mm-hmm. But the ones, two-thirds of those that had um, heavily Latino registration did really well. I mean, they did really well. Mm-hmm. And so what I was wondering, does that translate... To, some, to statewide, is there a statewide message in there for the general election that Latino turnout will be heavier than maybe is expected? Or is it kind of a weird L.A. or sort of just an odd L.A. Yeah. glitch, you know? So I think there's two things there. I think just period looking at 
what we did see just generally, the turnout numbers, right, uh, in the primary, that sets us up to hope, be hopeful um, mm-hmm. for a higher turnout in November. So if you have a good primary, um, and, set, and actually a really good primary, again, looking at, this, at those historical trends, um, it means that you, you hopefully will have a good turnout in November, yeah. you know, everything mm-hmm. else um, being equal. Um, specific to Latinos, so actually we're looking at those numbers statewide. Uh-huh. Um, so there hasn't been any actual research yet that's been published by anyone statewide on um, on Latino turnout specifically. Uh-huh. Okay. So um, we need to wait to, till that work gets yeah. out there. Um, so I think that report was great and um, really was instructive initially right after the election when people are really hungry and want to kind of get a sense of things. Um, but like anything, the devil's in the details and mm-hmm. really to be able to look across the state and be able to compare, we have to look at individual level voter data. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think you're right, especially in this election. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, there are lots of people, uh, at least among the media, that wanted to project what these results meant on June 7th and June 8th and June 9th and going and forward. But the, but the figures... Yeah. The data wasn't all available to, and it was also, also was taking time to count some of these things. So we, there were well, we didn't races. even have total numbers for the, you know, from the Secretary of State's office, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And they were changing every day as we got um, new counts in from each of the counties or all of the counties. Um, so it, yeah, it's something that I see all the time as a as a researcher, journalist will you know contact me and want me to talk about what I think the election meant yeah. and how turnout was and so forth. And you just I always caution that we have to wait until the the vote is certified, and then it then we still only know the general population numbers, right? Got those pesky journalists. Imagine them doing, <laughs> and and understandably so. But we we really have to wait, or if we write the story, we have to put those caveats in yeah. so we don't yet know by subgroup. We don't know about young people. We don't know about Latinos yet, right? And um, you can have a, a great turnout, but the question is, was it a great turnout for everyone? Mm-hmm. Or you actually could have a so-so year, but but a but a group in there, you know, either. For the whole state, or maybe by a region or a county, there was some, you know, um, particularly driving element that really brought up turnout. That is a story to tell as well, right? Mm-hmm. So, waiting for those detailed numbers by subgroup and and a full analysis is really really important. And I try to tell people to to we can t- we can give that early story, but we have to know that there's still another story yet to be told, a fuller story with the data, so people kind of don't move on. And think that mm-hmm. you know we're we've got the the, the, the full sense of things. Um, Do you see a lot and of? I will, out of I, oh, I will, I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. No, I was going to say I will say that lead, going into the election, there were a lot of things that uh, indicated to us that not only would t- turnout be good, but mm-hmm. it should be good for the Latino vote as well. So, um, you know, these high numbers overall, I'm expecting you know that we, we should probably you know we've got some good stories to tell probably for the Latino community in terms of turnout. But I'm just cautioning until we actually get the full analysis out there. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So. Do you see a lot of, um, or what do you see in terms of federal influence issues on the election? Obviously, the whole Trump administration thing has been going on forever. Mm-hmm. And every time we turn around, there's another lawsuit from California challenging the administration on something. Um, but there are immigration issues, obviously, that yeah. California you know, is very sensitive to. Uh, is that playing out in your data? Do you see any, from the numbers you see, are you able to say how important the Trump administration, the policies are yeah. on our politics, on our turnout, or on our voter preference? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, so that's really kind of a causal analysis, right? So not only, right now we've been talking about descriptive, you know, how do people actually turn out? But you're asking, why do they turn out? Yeah. And did 
did the Trump administration, for instance, did, did that was how big of a factor could that have been, right? Um, so we have uh, prior to the election, we have a lot of polling data that talked about how different people felt or feel about um, the Trump, Trump administration's policies. To be able to connect it to whether it actually impacted turnout is difficult. So you have mm-hmm. to have an actual survey that's actually tying those things together. Um, so our first analysis of the election will will not be able to do that. We'll not be able to make that causal election. We'll be able to break out the election, break out the electorate, and talk about the patterns that we see, including regional patterns and local patterns. But um, how much, you know, d- uh, d- you know, in, in, in a certain kind of way, right, um, how much did the Trump policies impact uh, the turnout numbers? You know, cr- increasing them by a certain amount or period mm-hmm. is difficult. Mm-hmm. I, that being said, so that's the research, that's... That's the careful answer. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we don't want that. We want I know. That. <laughs> um, do I think that the, without being able to give you exact numbers, sure. because I can't run those numbers, do I think that the Trump policies have impacted the, the desire and uh, capacity of the Latino community in terms of voting? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, how much has actually impacted turnout, we don't know, but we do know that there has been a lot of engagement around uh, Trump's policies. Um, in 2016, we saw this, but in 2018, after people really started to feel these policies and there was a lot of mobilization, a lot of money, a lot of effort, a lot of leadership uh, trying to get out the awareness and the importance of voting, mm-hmm. right, to try to counter some of these policies, I think we have seen a lot of people motivated and mobilized around that. Mm-hmm. We just don't have specific numbers in terms of mm-hmm. how much, right, did they turn out because of that. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? But I think it. I think it's a you know fairly safe bet for a lot of Latinos. That's at least a factor to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, it may and, and sometimes it's not necessarily tied to I'm voting because of that policy. Maybe because I'm, I'm voting because I was connected to, I was mobilized by somebody or an effort that came together because of the policy. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I was told and and shown the importance of voting. Right. I was the case was made to me why it's important to to vote in part you know, because of that policy. Well, it seems like we've seen that nationally in all the special elections where turnout has been much higher and interest has been much higher. And, and you know, most of that seems to be driven by Trump policies in the election, the 2016 election. So it would make mm-hmm. sense that that would also be trickling into California. And so, yeah, one of the things that we're going to be looking at, I know everybody's interested in, is, of course, the youth vote. Um, there's always interest in, in the youth vote. And, and sometimes we're excited by the numbers we see and often we're, you know, really, you know, as researchers, but everybody frustrated by the numbers that we see. Um, mm-hmm. But given the Parkland shooting and the mobilization that we've seen around the country, this does seem like a particular time right now that we could be seeing a bump in, in youth turnout. Um, I've read that we're seeing more young, younger and more of them candidates nationally. Yeah. And I, I think I just saw a story yesterday or the day before about uh, quoting younger people wanting younger um, younger candidate, younger choices, and uh, and one example was given uh, that was given was testimony about election security in Congress, and it was clear from the questioning of the of the members of Congress they really didn't have a sense of tech, and younger people wanted a greater sense of tech according to this story. Well, and uh, just issues that young people yeah. care about, right? So I mean, one of the factors that you know we've, I've long said the reason why young people don't get involved, they don't get asked, they don't get mobilized. And they also don't hear issues that they care about typically mm-hmm. in an election. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're not, it's kind of a no-brainer in a lot of ways mm-hmm. why they're not participating. It's not because they don't care. It's because we're not pulling them in and we're not talking about things that that, that matter to them. 
Um, but in this election, um, there has been a, you know, unfortunately out of just a horrible set of events, there has been this kind of clear line drawn for a lot of young people, right down to their own safety, right, in their own lives. You know, if you care about this issue, not only do you need to care and get involved, but you literally need to vote. I mean, that's a case that's being made, that, dr- that direct line. You know, your life, vote. Mm-hmm. Well, and, that um, seems and, like, and that's powerful. That's very powerful. That seems like that would be uh, partially related to sort of the disappearing great middle that they're always talking about, that people are becoming more partisan. And in the old days, you know, there were people on both sides of the aisle who had... Uh, had attitudes and ideas about uh, certain policies that, that would appeal to young people. But I feel like at this point, at least for people in urban centers, you know, or in California in the western states and then the east coast, it definitely seems like the Republicans are not losing or they're not winning that, that fight with young people. I mean, the, the policies they're promoting are not resonating with young people unless they're maybe rural young people. Well, here's here's the kicker. I mean, there are there are young people that are registered Republican, sure. and you know we know statistically will will continue to be and so forth. But um, but it's looking just at political trends and history. We know often younger people start off more liberal and potentially Democrat, and you know, and they can change their life course. But the what's really unique, well, potentially unique now in in our time, is, and I mean like literally this year, even, mm-hmm. is. You know, how much of this is really going to set young people, some young people, um, into the Democratic Party or at least away from the Republican Party so that they potentially won't transition, some of them or many of them as they get older, um, that they will be essentially just, you know, see the Republican Party as something that they don't want to be involved in. It's not tied to their values. It's not tied to who they are. um, And they'll have more of a visceral reaction. Um, And you could say that, you know, uh, something similar to some degree, Latinos in Prop 187 here in California, right, um, when this narrative was created around the Republican Party, it's set. Um, Still set, right, for a large degree, and now kind of being reinforced by what's happening nationally with Trump. Um, So I think many of us, I think, and the you know, the researchers and probably pundits alike are kind of wondering, like, what, how much of this will kind of change some patterns, uh, potentially, um, because it seems like young people do have a very, beyond the issue of gun control, I mean, young people have a very strong reaction to uh, Trump administration policies, period. Um, so I've been talking to a lot of young well, people lately in schools and... Speaking you know, loosely of numbers, so. a segue, we weren't really speaking only of numbers, uh, but we're doing, we're, doing a, <laughs> we're doing a census project. Mm. And um, and there's a lot going on with there's been a lot of coverage about the citizenship question uh, in the census that's in there now that may or may not stay in there about uh, asking citizenship uh, their citizenship status, but there's a lot of other things going on with the census of how you count prisoners, how you mm. get people um, who actually can get out in the street the the enumerators I think the name but how you get them actually out in the street and get them talking to people you need lots of them so you need lots of volunteers, and or and not just volunteers, but people who get paid, they're, they're talking about only uh, citizens yeah. can do that, or people legally in the country can do that. Um, there are uh, questions about money. Apparently, California is talking about $100 million bucks. It's committed now to this. There's only $400 million only, but there's $400 million across the country, and a quarter of it is really committed in California to just its census. So you've got to wonder, uh, and that was raised, actually it was 40 I think going in and then it got raised to 90 and others already 10 million I think in holes. But 
this whole business with the census and my question as it relates to the election if people are afraid uh, skittish about dealing with a census person who's asking about citizenship if that question stays in are, are they not going to participate in other official policies, other official acts, like going to the polls, like collect? I mean, is there is there a fear greater than before because we have this president that citizenship um, and your immigration status and legal citizens, citizens who are perfectly able to vote, yeah. they just want to stay away from the polls. I'm seeing this sort of anti-official sentiment. I don't know, does it come oh, across anyone? Of, of course. That's a very short question, but go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give an equally short answer. Um, uh, of course. I mean, um, I think it's, it's, it, it permeates everything. I mean, even just in the conversations we've had over the last number of months looking at, you know, vote, uh, the new VCA Voters' Choice Act and the, you know, where to put drop boxes and where to put polling places and, you know, uh, groups are citing, well, you know, should we be anywhere near, should these be anywhere near, uh, you know, city hall and government buildings because many... Maybe historically that could always be a concern, but now even more so a concern for yeah. some right for immigrant communities. Um, there, there's a fear, there's, and it's not just a fear. There's, uh, it's a, it's a reality in many communities where uh, family members, parents are not, you know, going out and doing their daily routine if they possibly can, or staying close to home. They're concerned about, you know, they getting picked up by ICE. Um, you know, the beyond just, I think, whether they're going to be, uh, you know, whether they are eligible or potentially could be deported, um, you know, there is a greater concern, I think, sometimes even just from discrimination and backlash and misidentification and, and all those sorts of things. So it's a, it's a, re- it's a reality. Um, and, uh, and there's a lot of great work um, in our state uh, trying to address the, the questions around the census. So, well, We'll see how far that gets and how successful it is. Hopefully, it will be. Well, one last question: What are you working on now? Can you say are you working on some special project that may be newsworthy? Ooh, um, everything we do is newsworthy. <laughs> um, I think you mean do I, am I working on some secret project yeah, that I course, can't yeah. talk about? But I could maybe like talk a deep to state you project. About, yeah, right? I will only tell about twelve thousand people, so you can. <laughs> uh, a couple, several. I mean, several things. Um, we've got, of course, our research agenda. We're looking yep. at. Um, doing analysis of the, the VCA and the five counties, including Sacramento. So how did that actually go? That, how did it get implemented? What was the early... That's all the vote-by-mail stuff? Right? Um, yeah, that's the vote-by-mail vote centers. And the voting centers. centers and, yeah, mm-hmm. okay. Good. What was the cool. impact uh, for voters and, and the potential uh, tweaks that need to be you know made as we go forward, right, to make it um, hopefully function even better? Um, we're going to be doing research around um, automatic voter registration as that's coming online. There's some huge numbers that the state just put out in terms of people getting registered through the DMV, through mm-hmm. the new motor voter. I said automatic voter registration, but the new motor mm-hmm. voter program. Mm-hmm. Um, Do they register after they've been waiting at the DMV for two hours? I don't I just cause trouble. <laughs> <laughs> if if you, you go through the DMV, you're getting your driver's license renewed, yes, you, 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 you get um, registered. There is an opt-out, of course, but there's still some huge numbers, bigger numbers than I think that probably anybody expected. So that's exciting, and um, everyone wants to do research on that and learn about it and figure, you know, figure out what's going on. Um, we've got a, a number of research projects, maybe uh, it's a little more fun here in the final moments. Um, we have our launch event coming up. So we did just move over on July uh-huh. 1st, but we've got to have a party. When is oh. that? <laughs> the party was going to be um, early October. Uh, actually, in just a few weeks here, we're going to have an open house because we're having a cool. larger event okay. here at the Sacramento Center, and as part of that, we're going to um, 
hopefully we all spiffied up by then fully and invite people to come through and see us and chat with us. But we'll have our launch event um, in early October, and it'll just be a... Can we drink and say deep thoughts? Assuming I get invited, but will uh, I have fun? There will be alcohol available. Okay. Um, it'll be in the evening. Crazy. <laughs> um, it will be a, a celebration, but at the same time, we're going to talk about all of the cool things that we expect to be doing now that we're over here at Price and Price Sacramento and why we wanted to do this partnership. And cool. I mean, ultimately, for us, it was about the work. Um, we really, we a, thought you just wanted to be closer to the mill. <laughs> well, that maybe that too. Um, but you know, we have a pretty serious mission at the California Civic Engagement Project, and we're deeply committed to it. And we wanted to make sure that you know we not only can continue our work, but expand and grow our capacity and serve more with our research and and what we do. And so, coming to Price and specifically coming to Price Sacramento um, allows us to to serve more, to produce more research, to hopefully have a bigger impact with our work. And ultimately that's, you know, it's again, it's about the work. Um, how long is how long has this your organization been around? The we started I started it, I founded it in late twenty ten. We formally oh, launched um, October first, uh, twenty twelve. Oh. And now we will be Relaunching in our new home. <laughs> Second blast off. Yes. Okay. I mean, in many ways, we're we're exactly the same. We're the yeah, same sure. mission, same values, same research agenda, same people, all that sort of thing. Um, Price wanted us exactly as we are. They're enormously supportive. I think it's a, it's a wonderful partnership. Um, but the big difference is that we're here, um, and again, we you know we'll ha- be able to collaborate. We'll have the the full resources and brain power of, of USC with us and um, be able to do more with the, mm-hmm. with that work. So um, that's what we're pretty excited about. So Well, on that happy note of excitement So, so in other words, a lot to celebrate, and we got to have a party. <laughs> of course, yeah, absolutely. Mindy Romero, thank you very much. Thanks thank you, for your sir. time. This was a lot of fun. Tim Foster, thank you very much. Thank you. And this is Shake John Howard. I will see you and hear you next time around. Bye-bye.